Hello and welcome to episode 158 of the LDS Study Session with me, your host, Matthew Roberts. Today I want to uh, have a little look at something which I alluded to yesterday uh, in our study, uh, but just to dive a little bit more into it, which I thought was a, an interesting principle. Now, if we look in Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter 3, we read about the importance of the scriptures and about how we can learn a lot from them. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy about the importance of the Holy Scriptures and how learning of them and teaching from them is an important part of his ministry. He says in verses 16 to 17 of 2 Timothy 3, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Um, we know that the Scriptures are the Lord's way of speaking to us and teaching us from examples of the past through the spirit which we feel in learning of these miracles and experiences of those that have gone before us. Um, there is a talk uh, which I want to share with you um, called The Miracle of the Holy Bible, uh, which was given in April 2007 by um, Elder M. Russell Ballard. And he said this, quote, Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We love the Bible and other scriptures. That may be surprising to some who may not be aware of our belief in the Bible as the revealed word of God. It is one of the pillars of our faith, a powerful witness of the Saviour and of Christ in the lives of those who worship and follow him. The more we read and study the Bible and its teachings, the more clearly we see the doctrinal underpinnings of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. We tend to love the scriptures that we spend time with. We may need to balance our to love and understand all scripture. You young people especially do not discount or devalue the Holy Bible. It is the sacred holy record of the Lord's life. The Bible contains hundreds of pages more than all of our other scripture combined. It is the bedrock of all Christianity. We do not criticize or belittle anyone's beliefs. Our great responsibility as Christians is to share all that God has revealed with all of his sons and daughters, close quote. Um, I love his emphasis on the Bible. Now, obviously, I love the Book of Mormon, and it has been a cornerstone, a, a keystone of my testimony for many years, and it will continue to be so, of my faith in the Saviour and of the, and his restored church. However, I also have grown a further and developed a further love of the Bible, uh, especially as we've been studying it this year in our Come Follow Me studies. And I look forward to it uh, when we will be looking at the Old Testament, I'm sure, in a few years' time. But what I want to do today is just use the Bible just to identify one of the wonderful things we learn about from it. And that is a testimony of the role of us, the Saviour in our life. As we study the characters within these experiences in the Holy Bible, in the Old and New Testaments, we come to understand and appreciate more the role the Saviour plays in our lives. I will use uh, five examples of different people uh, in, the, uh, in the Bible who are shadows of the Saviour, who, who go through experiences or who do things uh, who, which kind of echo or relate to what the Saviour does for us as we read. The first one is, uh, is quite an obvious one. Uh, it is the example of Abraham and Isaac. So we read in Genesis chapter 22 about how Abraham is commanded by the Lord to go and command his sac and sacrifice his own son Isaac. Now straight away we see a parallel here with the Father, our Heavenly Father and his son Jesus Christ. 
Uh, we know that uh, Isaac was a beloved son of Abraham, and we know that this was a very difficult thing for him to do. As we read the experience in uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, Abraham says, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Uh, and whilst this may have been kind of him just saying to his son, don't worry, you know, we just need to carry on and get to where we need to go. Uh, the Lord will provide. This is actually quite a um, symbolic statement. Yes, physically, indeed, the Lord would, it turns out, provide them a uh, sacrifice to offer. But it is also foreshadowing what would come um, many, many years later when the Saviour himself would be offered uh, for the sins of all mankind. Um, you know, this is really where we start to really see a, a hint of the Saviour and what he would do for us. Um, by the way, before I continue on past this example, there are many, many others that I could have called upon as well. Uh, but these are just some of the ones that stood out to me and I could turn to quite quickly. So there's one shadow of the Saviour is uh, the example of Abraham and Isaac. Another shadow of the Saviour uh, we find in the, in the Bible is of Joseph, who is sold into Egypt. Here we see the example of young Joseph, who is uh, disliked by his brothers and who is rejected of them and then uh, sold into slavery. And uh, again, this is a shadow of the Saviour because, of course, we know that when the Saviour uh, was on the earth, he was rejected by those who he loved. And actually, one of the, his closest friends betrayed him for silver. Uh, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 28, we read, Then there passed by Midianite merchantmen, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. So we know that obviously Jesus was um, betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver, yet there is still a symbolism here, I think, that this, this uh, person, this man who was rejected of his own brothers, sold into slavery and sold, well, sold into bondage, is a very clear parallel to the Saviour being rejected by those who loved him. Uh, I mean, he was left alone by his apostles, uh, but also he was outright betrayed by Judas, who sold him for silver into, into slavery and captivity, well, into captivity, I should say. Um, and so another shadow of the Saviour in the Bible. Another very clear uh, shadow of the Saviour, and actually one that... Um, is referred to often as an archetype or as a kind of foretelling of the saviour was Moses. Uh, and I've got three different instances here where he was this, or, of, or things he did which foreshadowed the coming of the saviour of the world. One of the clear things here is the Passover. We could look at a huge chunk of uh, Exodus chapter 12 and see clear links to the saviour. For example, um, if we look in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, we know that they're in the land of Egypt, which is where they are in bondage. And we could relate this to us being in spiritual bondage. And then in verse 2, it talks about how this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. In other words, a new beginning, which is, of course, what the Saviour offers to us. Verse 3, it relates to uh, taking a lamb uh, and slaying that lamb. And of course, that is a clear uh, link to the Saviour being the Lamb of God. Uh, in fact, verse 5, it says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Um, and then in verse 7, And they shall take off the blood and strike it upon the two side posts, uh, which again 
uh, relates to the blood of the Saviour that would be shed for the sins of many. Um, verse 8, they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. Um, fire, linking to the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, unleavened bread, linking to spiritual purity. Um, and with bitter herbs, uh, which, which relates to the bitterness of sin. And then in verse 10, and ye shall let, noth let nothing of it remain until the morning. In other words, we have to fully accept and uh, internalise the Saviour and his teachings into our lives. Uh, I mean, and I could go on and on. There is a load of um, imagery and symbolism in this Passover which foreshadows the, the sacrifice of the Saviour. And then, of course, uh, there is the event which all this was in preparation for, and that's in Exodus chapter 12, verse 19, oh, sorry, 29, which says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And again, this clear image of the firstborn being sacrificed uh, is, uh, again, a direct link to the Saviour. And then, of course, Moses himself was a Saviour-like figure who saved uh, or redeemed, or well, not redeemed, but... Um, delivered the the people of Egypt or the people of Israel out of Egypt out of physical captivity as the savior does for us out of spiritual uh, captivity and physical death um moving on uh, to a bit of a different example i want to briefly look at the example of esther esther was uh, i think a shadow of the savior in the in the role that she played uh, in her life in Esther chapter 4, we, uh, we join the story where um, the Jews are mourning because the king has sent out a degree, a, a degree, a decree um, that um, the Jews will, should, be, should be killed um, because of the kind of wicked um, plans of Haman. And so Mordecai, I think Esther's uncle, encourages Esther to, to go forward and speak for all of the Jewish people. And in verse uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be, be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Um, in other words, you are here right now for this role, to go to the king risk your life because of course the at that time anyone who entered uh, and and went into the king uh, at that time uh, would be killed even the, the his wife and so he she, so she was going to go forward on behalf of the jews and speak to the king with punishment of death hanging over her uh, and isn't that exactly what the savior did you know he he mediates for us with our heavenly father he sacrificed and he did actually sacrifice his life for us so that he could then go unto the Father and mediate on our behalf and plead for our lives, just as Esther did uh, with the king at that time. Uh, and then, of course, finally, I'm going to refer back to the one which I mentioned yesterday in Philemon. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole backstory because you can listen to yesterday's podcast on that and that will be sufficient for you. But Paul uh, was a, a kind of mediator-like figure uh, for Onesimus, the servant who... Uh, did wrong for, to Philemon, and which is why Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. Uh, in verse 17 and 18 of Philemon, he says this, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as, the, as myself. If he have wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, 
put that on mine account. Uh, Paul here is taking the role of a mediator so that Philemon will accept and, re and welcome his uh, servant Onesimus as a brother in the gospel. Uh, and again, the saviour of mankind does this for each of us with our Heavenly Father. So I'm going to end it there, but there's just so many that could be talked about in terms of in the Bible. And of course, I've not even touched the Book of Mormon and many other scriptures where we see examples of and shadows and symbols of the saviour, which is why the, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, all scripture is a testament of our saviour, Jesus Christ. I hope this has um, been a useful study for you today. If there's anything that you've been studying, please share it at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you for your time and until we meet again.